Welcome to Score Tracks. Uh, my name is Mark, and I'm a host along with Tim. Hello. And Elaine. Hello. And this is pretty much going to be a bi-weekly look at some scores, uh, both new and classic. Uh, we're going to give our interpretations of them, our opinions on them, and also let you lo- know a little bit of news about what's coming uh, in the score world. And uh, just some thoughts about things that we like and, and, and like to suggest to you. Uh, but before we get started, uh, you should know a little bit about who we are and uh, what makes us worth listening to. Um, me... My name is Mark, and uh, you know my fascination or love with scores and soundtracks started uh, uh, basically with uh, with Star Wars. Uh, when I was growing up, I was, I was born in 1973, so we didn't have a VCR, we didn't have anything like th- that. We just once you saw a movie at the theaters, if you wanted to relive the movie, you had to pretty much listen to the music or get one of those little read-along books that kids had, to where the bell would ding and tell you to turn the page. So to follow up my love of Star Wars or Jaws or anything like that, I would just listen to the score, listen to the soundtrack, and remember the movie in my mind because, you know, it wasn't on TV and it wasn't on a VCR. So with that, I just pretty much have had a 40-plus year love of, of scores and soundtracks, and that's who I am. I, I, I love everything with scores. So, Tim, uh, how'd you get involved with scores? Well, it sounds kind of similar to you. Um, it, it all started with uh, the Star Wars soundtrack, which uh, uh, part of it is because it accompanies the movie, and when you love the movie, it, it's a huge part of that. Um, which, but that in turn led to just a, an overall love of John Williams, and then they kind of just spread out eventually into just the world of soundtracks overall. And uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, loving them and enjoying them ever since. Awesome. Uh, Elaine, I, I know you're new to, to scores and soundtracks, uh, and you're sort of our, our you know, person on the ground who may, may be just wanting to start learning about scores and soundtracks, start learning, to mo- learning about movie music. Uh, how did you start finding an interest in, in this type of music? Um, I think that I, I don't really know when exactly. I was trying to think of uh, which soundtracks really got me into it but I think that I have a a very active imagination and I also am always I'm a a writer and I'm you know usually thinking of a story in my head and a lot of times I'll I'll listen to soundtrack music and um, I like listening to it because partly because I, I like um, the emotions that go with it and I like imagining that music going with my story. So that's one reason why I like listening to soundtracks. And um, I think that some of the first ones I started listening to were uh, The Chronicles of Narnia and uh, The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is like awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like uh, my mom, she had she has CDs of all three of them and she used to listen to them all the time. And then eventually I put them on my computer and started listening to them. So I'm sure it was probably those that really got me into it. So, I mean, I just, I have a few soundtracks and I, I, I love them. I love listening to them. So, you know, and it's funny that you talk about that, about the, you know, your mom and all that. Uh, Cause that's one of the things for me, there is, my my mom and my father and my brother shared my passion for for movie music and you know when we used to go on vacations uh, together we'd listen to it in the car and there's so many like if I listen to certain like if I listen to ET it brings me to a certain spot in Idaho that we would camp that was 40 miles away from the nearest person and it just makes me think of being with my family or if I listen to you know John Barry's uh, Somewhere in Time that music would really hit the music and movie would really hit my mom. And so every time I hear a certain track from it, you know, it, it would 
remind me of her crying. The minute she hears the music, she cries because she thinks of the whole movie just when the music comes. And, and it's it's incredible how, you know, family and, and situations remind you of music. And, you know, especially in my life with, with score music, you know, it, it's, it's funny the way that works. It's amazing that you bring that up because uh, very similar for me where it was, you know, soundtrack cassette tape throw it in the in the player for trips in the car and you brought up et that was one of them et and star wars these are the things that would happen for some of these trips and uh that's part of what i looked forward to on these trips so it's awesome you say that oh yeah it's like my dad would love to drive listening to john uh listening to james horner's uh, star trek uh oh, yeah. two score because the whole like you know battle with with uh, with Khan, he would just start gripping the wheel and like humming it. And it's, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I'm not able to get my kids into this music. They have their own tastes, and I don't want to force anything on them. But that was my childhood with my parents, and you know, it's it's such a wonderful thing to have you know those positive memories of. So yeah. Okay, so every uh, every podcast, we're going to start off with a little bit of uh, news of what's important in in the soundtrack movie music uh, world. So with that, uh, let me turn it over to Tim. Tim's got some news. Yeah, pretty much the the main theme for, or theme, <laughs> the main thing for the news this week. Um, uh, there, of course, some of you may know that they are going to be remaking The Magnificent Seven. And James Horner was originally um, slated to do that. And it was assumed that Southpaw was going to be his last movie um, because that was the last one that we knew of that he had worked on. Uh, but I believe it was th- this past week. Um, the director said on, I believe it was an NPR show, that we lost Noah. Hold on. So he finished it in secret? Sorry, was that me or was that Noah or what? It was cutting off a little bit. Uh, so you said that he finished it in secret or? Yeah, uh, no one knew about it. Um, and he just did it on his own. He was so uh, uh, captivated and he loved the script that he decided to uh, surprise the director and have it done already. He just never had the chance to actually present it himself. But he did finish it. And uh, they're planning on, my understanding is that they're planning on using that for the movie, which. Uh, and it's going to be a big movie. The cast so far is Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, and Ethan Hawke. So, oh, great! It'll wow. it'll be interesting. That, that is pretty we much may, the news for that. Yeah, we may have had a little uh, audio difficulties there for a second, but I think the general gist of the idea is that James Horner was able to finish um, Magnificent Seven, so that may be the last score of his that we hear. That's what you're saying. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. So. With the news out of the way, we're going to cover our first uh, soundtrack. It's a current release. It's from Marvel Studios. It's Ant-Man, composed by Christoph Beck. And uh, I don't know if anyone's seen it. I I saw it in the movie theater. Um, I'm not sure. Elaine, did you see it or no? No, I haven't haven't had a chance to see it yet. Okay. And then, Tim, did you see it in the theater? Not yet. Okay. Okay. So then I'm the only one who's seen it, the music with the movie, but we'll start, we'll start with Elaine. Elaine, after listening to, uh, listening to the soundtrack, uh, what's your thoughts on, on Ant-Man by Christoph Beck? Well, it definitely has a very heist vibe to it. I mean, I, I read somewhere that Ant-Man was very much a heist style movie and the soundtrack reflects that. Um, other than that... Um, the soundtrack for me was not very, was not all that memorable. Okay. Um, and this could have been partly because I was a little distracted while I was listening to it. So, um, maybe if I listened to it again and really concentrated on, you know, just listening to it, maybe, maybe it would seem a little more, um, uh, maybe I would have more memory of it, but, um, uh, you know, the, it just, it seemed like a, um, I guess just a kind of a, 
I, I don't want to be unfair to the to the composer, but it, it just sounded like you know your your regular motion picture score, you know, um, okay. mainly like um, more background music rather than music that is supposed to tell the story along with the movie. You know what I mean? Right, almost like a cartoon soundtrack to where it mirrors what's on the screen rather than creates its own mood. Uh, right. I mean, like, with, with John Williams' music, for me, John John Williams' music always tells the story along with the the movie. Like, you could listen to his soundtrack and kind of, one of his soundtracks, and kind of know what's happening in the movie. Whereas with this soundtrack, I mean, with the with the with the tra- with the tracks that sounded like the heist music, you know, obviously you, you kind of know what's going on, but otherwise, you know, you, you can't necessarily tell. So, okay. I mean, that that was just my take on it. Again, I, I probably need to listen to it again just to just to give it a, a more fair judgment. So. No, it's completely valid. So everybody everybody's entitled to an opinion, and and there's a lot of stuff that you said that I agree with for sure. Uh, Tim, what's your thought after listening to the soundtrack? Well, from the beginning, uh, one of the first things you hear is the theme, and I thought that wasn't too bad. Um, you know, this isn't—I wasn't expecting something to be like uh, Brian Tyler's Iron Man or anything. So, from what do I understand, the do you think the theme sounds a little reminiscent of the Avengers theme? Um, or is it just me? To an extent, I, there is something I was going to point out about the Avengers later, but um, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, that's fine. Uh, but for the theme, I just I, I thought it was good. It wasn't like epic, but I, I didn't think it should be from what I understand the, from the movie. Um, parts of it, it was kind of funny. It made me think of Red, which Christoph Beck did, because mm-hmm. of the way he kind of combined the orchestral elements with some of those like band elements. Similar to Red. Um, and I feel like it would give a, a nice feel to the movie. It will accompany it very well. But if you just want to listen to it on its own, um, it, it's not that it's, it, it's not that it's not entertaining. Um, it just wouldn't be my first choice for something to listen to. Okay. On its own. All right. And what were you saying about the Avengers? Yeah, and the track, um, I, I believe it was first mission. Just over a minute into it, they uh, he does just a couple notes of the Avengers theme. Yeah, I think I heard that. I yeah. seem to remember something sounding more like the Avengers to me. Well, yeah. without without getting into spoilers, there's a reason <laughs> why that there's the Avengers music in there. Oh, I, I was oh, assuming so. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a reason why the music comes up, and and I think it's. The Buffy music uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some of my favorite uh, television scores ever. Uh, there's some tracks in there that are just absolutely. And as far as you know, lately he did uh, he did Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I don't want to call it Live, Die, and Repeat because it's Edge of Tomorrow to me. But some of that music was was amazing as well. As far as this, when you watch it in the theater, the music fits perfect. Everything about the music fits with with the film. Uh, I can't think of, you know, I mean, obviously there's, there's better examples of marriage of music film, but he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, as far as a soundtrack listening experience, I think it's lacking. Uh, it, a lot of it sounds very much the same to me. A lot of it doesn't, you know, a lot of it doesn't stand out as being different from other things. But I think when you see the sound, when you see the, the movie and listen to the soundtrack, uh, together, they work perfectly, and and I think it's kind of funny. Obviously, the next uh, the next soundtrack we're going to be reviewing is Mission Impossible, but a lot of the music in Ant Man is very heist like, very Mission Impossible Lee. It, it it sounds very similar. So I think that's what he was going for. I think maybe that's what the director and Marvel asked him to do. And as far as the movie goes, I think it worked. 
not necessarily as the greatest soundtrack album. I really did appreciate how he didn't take the course of action he could have for this type of, of it's a Marvel movie, and uh, he didn't go for the bass and beats path that he could have. Right. And that he put more effort, more thought into, I mean, well, I, I don't want to say that the people who do that don't put thought into it, but it's apparent he really cared about more of a melody and right, I right. really appreciated that. Elaine, any final thoughts on uh, Ant-Man soundtrack by Christoph Beck? Um, well, just that, that comment you made about there's a reason for the Avengers theme makes me want to see it even more. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 it's really fun. Uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised it turned out as well as it did. You know, when you start remembering all the production trouble that they had. But uh, it's, a, it's a really good Marvel movie. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. Awesome. All right. With that, we're going to take our first break. And the break really is to let you guys take a listen to some of the music from the soundtrack that we just reviewed. So with this, our break's going to be uh, from the track Scott Surfs on Ants. You just listened to Scott Surfs on Ants, and that's the from the Ant-Man soundtrack released by Hollywood Records. Uh, next, we're going to jump over to another current uh, soundtrack that's been released, and the movie's going to be in theaters shortly. It's uh, Mission Impossible. Excuse me, Mission Impossible Rogue, uh, composed by Joe Kramer, and uh, we all had a chance to listen to the listen to the soundtrack. Uh, Terry, what's your initial thoughts on it? Well, I think the main thing that I loved for it was the the actual orchestral sound. Uh, Joe Kramer, the composer, had said he wanted to uh, keep it, of course, a modern action score for a good movie. Um, but he also wanted to uh, pay a little respect to the original TV series. So when he wrote the score, he kept it to things that could only... Like instruments that were around in 1966... He didn't do any electronics, no loops, nothing. It's complete 100% orchestra, straight up, just like they would have done at the time. And that really, oh, really? Tra- that translated really well for me um, onto the, the recordings because there, I can hear, I feel like I can really hear what's going on and I can hear the brass well, I can hear the woodwind. You know, it all sounds very authentic, which because it is. And I think that was the main thing that I really appreciated and really jumped out at me. Elaine, what's your thoughts? Um, well, um, actually, I didn't get a chance to listen to this one. Um, I, I didn't realize that we were going to cover it this week. So then I, I, um, when I realized what were going to happen, I didn't really have time. So I did, um, I did listen to some of the trailer music, and I don't know if he, if Joe Kramer composed that or not. Um, he may not have, because it sounded very, um, it sounded kind of electronic-y, like there were some, you know, uh, riffs and stuff in there. Um, but I did like the way that they incorporated the, th- the theme music, the original theme music, and made it into kind of this more 
modern, really suspenseful um, uh, uh, kind of version of it. So um, I, I will uh, see about actually listening to the whole thing and uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'll get that done. Uh, so, well, at least you're honest. At least you're honest. <laughs> you so much time, well, so I, I respect I about, that. I thought about pretending that I listened to it, but then I was like, "What am I gonna say?" No. So, yeah. right. Well, so for me, for for me, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was I was asking what you thought. Uh, well, for me, any with with Mission Impossible, it's such an iconic theme. You know, in every movie. You're on. You're on the edge of your seats, waiting for that theme to to be presented. You're waiting to hear that theme, and when it melds, you know the the theme with the action that's going on screen. It's a really good. It's a really good moment in these movies. Uh, so, so if when you get a chance to work with that theme, you're already halfway there. But listening to listening to Kramer's score, um, everything that surrounds that theme is amazing. And yeah. I had no idea, like until Tim said it, that, you know, he's going for everything that, you know, all the, all the instruments and everything is authentic to the time period that mission impossible, the original music was created. The, the, the soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, I don't think I've heard anything else by Joe Kramer before this. I do know that he's worked on, on some different titles, but uh, for me, this is, you know, a new composer, a new composer to me, especially one to look out for. Uh, I, Really shocked, right? You know, I, I've listened to all the previous Mission Impossible themes. I have them all, uh, and, and this one just really stands out as, as just having something different. And I didn't know what it was. Maybe it's exactly what Tim said, but it's a really good job. And especially from somebody who, honestly, I'd never heard before until this. It's just, just amazing. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier listening to this soundtrack. Well, one of the things that was really good about it is it really embodied and incorporated exactly what a movie called mission impossible should to me and because there you have i mean of course there's a a lot of action involved it's an action movie but there's also mystery mixed in and there's some suspense there's a little bit a little bit introspective elements that are thrown in i think um and one of the things that i loved mark you kind of uh mentioned this with the main theme I loved how the variations of it were used throughout. And it wasn't just, you know, oh, here we go with the main theme again. Uh, it, it's almost like he took it and broke it into a bunch of little pieces and then threw them here and there throughout the score so that it, it stays in your mind, but it's fresh because it, it's a new version almost of it and or just a, a little short preview of it. And there's one track called The Syndicate, and I thought that was absolutely amazing because he starts the main theme and, and right as soon as it's about to really get going, uh, he completely changes tracks and, and it's something else. And it, it didn't disappoint me. It's not like, Oh man, it wasn't the main theme. It, I loved what he went to. So that change is just enough to make it new, make it fresh, keep it really good and not something that we know what's going to happen next. Cause we've heard it four times already. I think it, I think it's really cool that he decided to take the time to research what instruments were available um, at the time of the original Mission Impossible show and that he made an effort to use only those instruments and not use any, you know, as you say, electronic uh, elements. Um I think it's it's great to when you when you know that an artist of any kind really loves what they do so much that they put a lot of you know so much effort into it that they're you know they're researching they're they're um, they're going out of out of their way maybe a little bit to make the soundtrack that much better. Well, I, you know, and I, ho- I hope this is, you know, sort sort of a uh, a harbinger of things to come as far as what we may expect to get from some modern composers. Uh, 
you know, there's been, without getting into names, there's been like a, a period of time to where everything sounds very similar. And unfortunately, it's because that's what, that's what the directors or the studio wants. But with a lot of these guys who started as independent directors, you know, you look at people like Gareth Evans or you look at people like, uh, um, uh, what is it, Ryan Johnson. Is it Ryan Johnson who's going to do Star Wars? Yeah. Yes. A lot of these guys that started off as, as independent directors seem to be getting their break. You know, Christopher McQuarrie is the guy who directed uh, Rogue Nation, and he was a writer on Usual Suspects, and he's kind of been he's been a big-time guy. And, and so it's nice to see him taking people that's – because I know he's worked with, uh, with Joe Kramer before, so it's nice to see him taking a guy that he's worked with and then letting this guy sort of – you know, let loose on the on the on the soundtrack and, and do it in a classical way rather than it just being a, a being like Mission Impossible Two by Hans Zimmer, unfortunately. But uh, it, it's nice to see some people getting a chance to shine, and, and maybe we'll get back to that golden era of uh, of movie score soundtracks. But who knows? Yeah, and you have this younger generation of directors coming up now. Who some of them are are still in line with this uh, with the, the the kind of sound he just talked about, but I'm also thinking, you know, you got this Colin Trevorrow who has done what two movies now? Now one of them's like the third biggest movie of all time, but all right, still, Jurassic World, right? It's still two movies, and I absolutely loved what he let Giacchino do with that. So so this whole uh, theme of Letting the composers kind of do their jobs. Of course, you don't want them to write something that's way out of line with what you're trying to create, mm-hmm. but not overseeing every step that they do because that's their job. I think that's really helping um, not only the composers and their process, but the result for the audiences as well. Right, and, and you don't want them to just make music that sounds like the temp music that they've been adding the picture to. Right. Because that seems to be something that's happened for at least the past 10 years, which is why everything sounds the same. Uh, mm-hmm. So hopefully this is the start of something, uh, something new. You know, we've got people like Giacchino and, 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 you know, Joe Kramer, and we'll see where it goes from there. I mean, John Williams is still belting out some great stuff. So hopefully uh-huh. uh, this is the start of a research of people that grew up listening to you know, James Horner and John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith, you know, they're they're looking to get back to that kind of music and it's only gonna benefit us as movie listeners and as soundtrack listeners. Possible. I just thought of a another thing that I really liked other than the actual uh, instruments used. I really felt like I could hear the layering of those instruments. Yeah. The the uh-huh. depth the depth of it. And partly because it's actually there and it's real and it's legit instruments. But there, there was a depth to it that really added just a whole other dimension of, I can't think of the word, but just another, another dimension to it that made it a little bit greater. The stuff that you're hearing was recorded at the same time. It was just maybe recorded on five tracks, six tracks, two tracks, whatever, and they just put it one on top of the other. Rather than, you know, right. this piece was recorded today, and this piece is recorded two weeks from now, and then they put it together. And even though the music is played correctly, the emotion's not there. In a situation mm-hmm. like this, it sounds like it all was recorded at the same time, even though each thing is unique, and, and, and you can hear it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, Tim. Any, any final thoughts? Elena, I'm going to leave you out of this. But, uh, <laughs> Tim, any final thoughts on Mission Impossible? I just... No, you don't get to have to stay in your corner. (laughs) Just excellent job by Joe Kramer. I I had high hopes for it. Um, And even with high hopes, I was uh, surprised and pleased. So, excellent job. Personally, I didn't have any hopes for it whatsoever. (laughs) Um, You know, it's Mission Impossible. So, you get the theme and and like I said, you're halfway there and then everything else should generally be okay but yeah it, it, it's a damn good soundtrack I, I can't wait to see how it plays with the movie when it comes out but but uh yeah i, I was thoroughly impressed with the with, with kramer's job on this so this is a soundtrack that i think i think we can highly recommend so 
Good job, certainly. Uh, and with that, we're going to take our second break. Uh, we're going to present just a little bit of the track from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation uh, that's being released by La La Land Records. And the tr- track is the A400. So we'll be back right after break. Enjoy the listen. You were just listening to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, the track in particular was the A400. Uh, that the album is released by La La Land Records. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the, the snippet of music. Uh, with that, we're going to go back in time. We're going to listen to or we're going to talk about Jaws. Uh, and not the album from Rhino Records in the 90s. We're going to talk about the one that was released by MCA uh, on vinyl and then later on CD. Um, which is basically this version of Jaws is that after the recording of, of the music for the movie was done, John Williams took a look at his, his score and sort of created concert pieces or, or more cohesive uh, 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 score that would provide a better listening experience than the music that was in the movie. And so that was what was released in the 70s on vinyl, and that's what we listened to. And uh, with that, uh, Tim, what's your first impression? Well, because I know the uh, Rhino release of Jaws so well, I did notice some differences in, in this sound. I'm not talking about the, the tracks and like where the, the notes go. If, they, if you combine these two together, I'm not talking about that, but the actual uh, quality and sound of the, the, the same tracks. So like the Jaws main thing, that didn't really change. But certain elements were more prominent and more elevated than in the uh, the Rhino recording, so it was very interesting. If you're not fa- that familiar with the other one, this is going to sound perfectly fine, probably, and you're not not going to be like, "Hey, what's the difference?" But since I am familiar enough with it, I noticed the differences, and I really enjoyed them actually because something about the quality, um, it, it was just a little clearer, and that made this everything more intense. The the suspense was more intense. The the joy writing of the jet skiers was more intense. You know, everything was brought to a higher level, and that was something that I really liked for it. Excellent, um, Elaine. What's your thoughts? Well, um, I have to preface by saying that I have never seen Jaws before. Um, but after listening to this um, MCA version of the soundtrack, I am pretty uh, pretty interested in watching it. Um, I and and yet scared at the same time because some of the some of the tracks were pretty ominous and uh, very and suspenseful. I mean, you could tell that something was about to happen. I mean, I know I know enough about Jaws that. Um, with the help of the track titles, I was able to get a good, get a picture of what was happening with each, what, what's, what's seen each track would have accompanied what, what might be going on. And so it was very, the soundtrack was built in such a way that I was able to, I think easily follow along with, you know, the, 
gist of what was going on. And um, I I really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, John Williams, he's a genius at coming up with um, iconic themes. And he just, he made every track, every track an interesting one. Like, with some, with some scores, yeah, I think you have, you may get a few tracks that are, that feel more like filler, like not a whole lot is going on in them, but they're, they're mainly just maybe background noise for uh, a scene where the action is really the focus and not the music. But um, with this soundtrack, I didn't notice that as, as much. It was just every, every track was important. And um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I'm definitely going to make an effort to see Jaws after this. Good, you better. That's uh, well. Jaws seriously is one of my top five movies of all time. Uh, it's the first movie that I actually remember seeing in the theater. Um, my mom took me. I don't know why she took me when I was maybe three or four, but she took me, and it scared the heck out of me. And I was so scared that I thought Jaws was going to come out of the toilet. So it's just one of those things that this movie just had a lasting impact impact on me. Uh, my mom had the soundtrack; she had it on vinyl. She used to play it, and so this is the this is the version that I grew up listening to. Uh, I love the the Rhino release. I love the version that's you know the tracks exactly from the movie, but this is the version that I love. And so you know when we talked about what soundtrack to play for a vintage one, this was the one that was really cool for me to be able to share with you guys and talk about because this is just not one that most people listen to and it's not one that most people think about anymore. Um, but, you know, I love it. I love John Williams. I love Jaws, Steven Spielberg. And and the theme for Jaws is one of the most iconic, you know, th- themes in music history and in, in film film music history. And, and it's, it's just amazing. Yeah, you know, Steven Spielberg obviously is one of the greatest storytellers that we've had in cinema, right? Oh, absolutely. And John Williams, who goes with him on pretty much everything he's done, one of the greatest storytellers we've had in cinema. This is no different because Jaws is not just about a big shark that swims around. There's more of a story that can go with it. If, if you, you know, you can see it as just a monster movie and that's it, but there's more to it. Same thing for me with the music. You can listen to it and go, oh, wow, that's suspenseful and then move on. Or... You can really give it a listen, and you can find just how the score will parallel the movie perfectly. Well, I think that what you were saying about right. about Jaws um, is can also be applied to, um, like for example, Jurassic Park. Like I think a lot of people think that Jurassic Park is just a movie about dinosaurs eating people. You know, because I mean, like when they flip on the when they flip to it on television that's what's happening or that's what the commercials show or whatever and so they don't they don't think that it's anything more than that but it really is and the soundtrack is wonderful for that too so i think that it's you know and and i think that holds you know as you say it probably holds true for jaws too that a lot of people just think it's a it's a movie about a shark eating people and that's you know for some people that can be a turnoff but what what they don't realize is that there's another story behind that oh yeah because for me jaws when it comes down to it is actually about humanity um and it's the human element is shown both both good and bad through dealing with this shark basically Mm -hmm. and it was similar with the music The, the shark is the threat and that's why it has that iconic music but the, the rest of the score will imitate the, the good and the bad that happens from, from the human perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a lot deeper for me when you look you at guys, it that way. You guys got all serious for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, this is a movie about a badass shark just chasing people. Uh, well, I there, love there it. That too. Yeah. I, and I'm sure everybody knows the story of, of the whole reason the movie is the way it is. Is because the shark just wouldn't work. Uh, every time they tried to film the shark, uh, it just wouldn't cooperate, the mechanical shark. So they had to do other ways 
uh, they had to film other ways of, of making suspense. So that's why you don't really see the shark that much until the end. The final, they finally got the shark working or got enough footage of the shark, you know, to 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 fill that stuff in. But you know, whatever the reason was, it it made the movie that that I love. I was wearing a Jaws shirt uh, today. Uh, I finally found one. I love it. So yeah, this this movie and the soundtrack is amazing. So any final thoughts? Uh, I think that this version, anybody who is a fan of the of the uh, quote unquote original release, and by, I mean the one that went with the movie, the Rhino version, definitely give this one a listen because I think you will really appreciate the the changes that were made and, and just the overall difference. It's still the score that you'll love, but different enough that it's worth its own separate listen. So yeah, I, would, if, I, I would recommend that. If you look it up on Amazon, it'll probably be listed under not Rhino, but but uh, MCA or Universal, and uh, you might be able to find it from from some sellers there, pretty cheap, or even Amazon itself. I don't know if it's still in print or if it's out of print, but the, it's certainly worth a pickup. So, uh, with that, uh, we'd like to end every podcast with a little bit something different, not necessarily you know movie music or anything like that, but just something that we've seen, heard, read uh, of late that we find interesting and we want to share it with you because maybe you'd find it interesting too uh so first off uh, uh tim what have you been watching listening reading whatever lately that uh, you think our audience might be interested in well going along with what we uh just discussed jurassic park a little bit um i, I know this movie came out a month ago but jurassic world i, I love that movie and the Chikino soundtrack for that was fantastic not so much just because of the Williams cues that he used, which were amazing, but also the fact that he only used them a couple times and everything else can stand on its own. And I love it also. So that that's what I would say right now. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't listened to that, if you're not familiar with it, um, I would recommend giving it a shot because it's very, uh, very good and very unique for the, the new set of standards that this movie has. He dropped. Where did he go? <laughs> Noah, you'll have to edit this part out. All right, let me try and get it back. Uh... Shut up. Do y'all usually have this many technical difficulties? Nope. With... <laughs> okay. Like it's happened like once on one episode. <laughs> okay. Right. You there? Yeah. All right. So, where do we start over? Or like, where do we? Well, or well, didn't didn't you get um didn't you get Tim's? Part? You got me Jurassic Park, right? So then all you. Okay, so, so then, we'll start from the next person? Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. Okay. I'm going to record. Hello? Hello? <laughs> I guess that means we're I'm ready. I'm going to record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, great. That was good stuff, uh, Tim. Um for me, I'll go next. My uh, my suggestion this this week or this podcast is to watch the movie It Follows. It's a it's a recent release. It played in you know a number of theaters. It's a horror film, uh, absolutely fantastic suspense. Uh, it's essentially the story of um, well, without getting into too much details, it's the it's an entity that stalks a person through the transmission of. Through intercourse, basically, the 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 curse is transmitted through sexual intercourse. Uh, it's not a graphic film, but it's a definitely a suspenseful film. And, and what makes this movie so fantastic is the score itself. It's by a guy uh, or a guy who calls himself Disaster Piece. It's a synth score, and I'm a huge fan of of synthetic music. Uh, you know, especially from uh, stuff that sounds reminiscent of like John Carpenter scores from the '80s. Uh, like Halloween or Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, and this is just a fantastic sort of throwback to that type of music. Uh, and even the whole movie, it's 
itself is very reminiscent of Halloween, just in, in the pacing and in the type of threat. Uh, so it's certainly one that I would recommend everybody watch if they haven't already. It's an amazing film, fantastic score, and you know it's definitely worth a watch. Um, Elaine, wh- what's your recommendation this week? Well, I'd like to recommend a movie and the soundtrack that goes with it. Um, Treasure Planet by Disney okay. is... It was the movie itself. It it bombed at the box office, and the only reason that I can think of why it bombed was because of marketing. It's kind of a it's kind of a colonial steampunk version of Treasure Planet, and I think that a lot of I think that it probably appeared very weird to some people. But I mean, it's a, it's a really great film. I mean. I love the way they did uh, Long John Silver and his relationship with um, Jim Hawkins, and they, you know, they added all kinds of aliens and technology and this really cool science fiction. It's just a really cool science fiction twist to Treasure Planet, uh, Treasure Island, I should say. Um, the soundtrack was composed by James Newton Howard, and I was listening to a few tracks today. Uh, what? Sorry, I said a fantastic composer. Go ahead. He's done yeah. some amazing things. Yeah. Um, well, I think this is, so far, Treasure Planet has been the only thing that I've listened to by him. But um, he's he's got some really, really uh, great themes going on in there. It sounds very colonial. You've got, I think, some flutes and just it's got this really kind of piratey vibe going on that's kind of it's it's very it's like even though it's science fiction like it's not it's it's very classical and uh, it does have i think it has a and then of uh electronic and then of course there are a couple of original songs by, by um john Rzesnik of the goo goo dolls and um oh i forget i think bb max bb uh, I, I forget the name of the band, but there's a couple of great original songs on there. So I would recommend watching the movie and listening to the soundtrack because they're both highly underrated and very good. If you ever awesome. think about listening to more James Newton Howard stuff, uh, for me, first thing I would say is you've got to listen to Maleficent. Oh, oh really? Good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew well, he, he, I knew he composed that but i didn't listen to it so he did snow white and the huntsman too right uh possibly okay yeah absolutely uh uh thank you both for the recommendations uh certainly something that i'm going to check out and with that uh we are done for our first podcast so thank you everybody for listening uh elaine where they where can they find you on the uh on social media um, you can find me on Twitter at T E V E I T L I G H T twenty five. Twenty five, okay. And uh, Tim, where can they find you on uh, on social media or Twitter or Facebook? Uh, pretty much Twitter at Trooper underscore five. Okay. And me, I'm Mark. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Griddlemarks G R I D D L. E-M-A-R-K-S. And once again, we want to thank uh, everybody for listening. We also want to thank the uh, FilmSoundtrackCenter.com FilmSoundtrackCenter.com for uh, supporting us. And uh, go over there when you get a chance. Read some reviews. A lot of good information there. And uh, also want to thank uh, Noah Outlaw for producing the show for us, doing the recording. We certainly appreciate it. And with that, we're going to end with a little clip from the end credits of the MCA version of Jaws. But before so, we get, uh, we before we get there, also follow the official uh, Twitter of the show at Score Tracks. Don't forget that, yes, sir. At Score Tracks, follow us at Score Tracks on Twitter. Yes, thank you, Tim. Yeah, uh, and once again, uh, and Outlaw No on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and you're gonna be listening they to the end credits. Of- exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna end with the end credits of Jaws from the MCA release. And uh, we hope to uh, have you come back next time and listen to us again. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Have a good day.